Welcome to episode six, the 2021 season. Blunt Norse trauma starts now. I am one of your hosts, JB. On the other end, we have Sarah. Sarah Hello. How, how are you tonight? Oh, pretty good. Uh, feeling a little wide right? I don't know. <laughs> um, feeling a bit like a scramble drill, um, actually, because I'm getting ready to head to Minnesota for the game. So. That's right. You're going out for the game. So we'll get some real good feedback next week. Yes. Um, well, we might as well get right to it. Uh, another heartbreaker for the Vikes. Uh, they once again stole defeat from the jaws of victory. Uh, yes. Now, Sarah, between you and I, when we set up for the field goal, did you not think somehow he's going to miss this? Or is that just me who does that? Well, yeah, I was actually yelling at the TV to like try to throw another pass because I had more faith in Adam or KJ getting into the end zone than I did a field goal, except for then I looked at the clock and there was only like two seconds left. So, yeah, they didn't manage the clock. Well, they managed the clock well in their eyes because they, they just wanted to kick the field goal as time ran out, but they had enough time to run at least one more play. Although someone did point out most ordinary teams, that would be the best way to go. Get, you know, inside a 40 yard field goal attempt and set it up in the middle like they did and run the time down so you can kick from the proper hash, whichever side the kicker prefers and you're good to go. It's just, you know, our luck with kickers that makes that not a great solution. Yeah, considering that he buries them from 50 plus, and I mean buries. They should have stopped they should have stopped the play before and had him drill one from 51 or 52. Yeah, maybe he'd have felt more comfortable from that distance. I don't know. It was just so weird to watch and then you know, I'm watching it start to slide right. I think, "Oh, come on, come on. You know, it looked like it might hold on." And it just last second it just slid wide and another crusher for us. Uh you know, it was a it wasn't a great game overall, though, even aside from the kicking. Uh, we gave up 400 passing yards in this one to right. Kyler Murray. Uh, I don't I don't see, you know, I don't think Murray's as good as people talk him up at, to be. But on Sunday, he was lights out. Uh, he ran those fire drill plays to perfection where, you know, they were it looked like he was stuffed or it looked like we got a good rush and he just take a spin to the left and find all kinds of passing lanes. So we got good pressure on him, but they did, we did not contain him. And, and that led to a heck of a day. He did throw the two interceptions, but 400 yards and three touchdowns. And then the guys we thought might be tough to cover and Kirk and Hopkins weren't the killers. Uh, yeah. Rondell Moore and Max Williams. I looked it up. 14 catches, 208 yards, and a touchdown on 15 targets. Those are the guys who killed us. It wasn't Hopkins and Kirk. Those are the two guys who blew us up. Don't you think, though, that's because for the most part of the game, they had Harrison Smith helping out with Hopkins? Oh, yeah. Hopkins, I mean, we had the right guys covering Hop because um, Peterson was on that side, too. Right. So, I mean, they neutralized him entirely. Unfortunately, when you have your two best cover guys on one side 
and you don't have a lot on the other side, things they may want to reconsider that next time and move one of them to the other side. Yeah, I think I don't I don't really think that Patrick Peterson really needs the deep safety help. No, he doesn't. He definitely doesn't. And he showed that. And I, I would rather see him on the one side, go put Harry on the other side with Mac or whoever is out there and uh, just go with that. And maybe they will this week, but uh, to watch that many yards by, by Kyler Murray was really tough to see, you know, the touchdown before the, the, the one play touchdown was brutal. That was the zero coverage one, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. I think they got nailed on zero coverage twice, right? Didn't they get beat? I know at least once because Harrison Smith was going in for a safety blitz on that one. I think on the fourth and five, we got caught with a zero too. I'm not sure. I think it was a zero. Yeah. A couple of plays. I think we're better off rushing like four or five and not everyone. Yeah. They, they took a chance and and it cost them twice. You know, it's hard to do that when you have issues in your secondary. It's, it's a bigger gamble when your secondary isn't great. And unfortunately it didn't work out. I thought a couple of the other play calls were not great. I have been harping on this for the last couple of days. The squib kick right before the half. I hated it. Yeah. Joseph kicks the ball out of the end zone. Right. So you put them on the 25 with 21 seconds to go. Make them have to make them have to move. I, the squib kick, they had it up near what the 35 yard line. I think they started near the 35. Right. So there's 10 yards. Well, guess what? You know, that 10 yards makes it, you're, they're not going to try it from 72 with Prater. 62 exactly. Yards, 72 yards, they're going to try maybe one more play to try and get closer, and they're probably not going to get anything out of it. So that's, there's, there's, you know, three points and we lose by one. It, it's other stuff in, that, in this game, not just the missed field goal, but others in the missed extra point. There were other things that could have been done. Oh, yeah. Could have snuck, snuck away with a win. Uh, Although I did see some good things. Looks like some of the defense anyway made some pretty good improvements. I mean, we had two interceptions. One was a pick six. Yep. Second half. The second half of the defense was much better. You are correct. They, they did adjust at halftime. And Vigil should have had a fumble. Although apparently now you have to have both feet down to recover a fumble. Yeah, I guess the rule is two feet in control, just like it is with a with an interception. You can't have one foot down and hold the ball. They have to get them both in. I think that's the rule. Uh, so yeah, that would have been that, that's a big play in the game too. That's the rule, and unfortunately, yeah. another rule that works against the Vikings. Yeah, and then I saw some uh, improvement, even just marginally, on the offensive line. Oh yeah, for sure. There was a. Uh, they cut the penalties down significantly. They opened some holes for Dalvin. They, I think they did a pretty good job in protecting Kirk. And and uh, I know Kirk is seen as immobile, but he was pretty mobile on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, his only big error, and he recovered it, was when he uh, did get uh, hit or whatever or rushed, and he almost fumbled. Yeah, he had that ball hanging out there a little too far, and, and it got swatted. But he at least he had the presence of mind to fall on it. Um, he had a pretty yeah. good game. He had a good game, but I guess we should probably lead into our uh, duds and studs for the week, seeing as we're kind yeah. of starting to get there anyway. Who do you have as your 
let's we always I like to start with the duds and get the bad out of the way so we move on to a positive. So who are your three duds this week, Sarah? All right. So number three, um, since he wasn't really in the game much, but <clears throat> we didn't see much when he was, is Cam Dantzler. Still, he cannot play man coverage. Um, that last pass breakup, yes, he got a hand in there, at least part of it. But if you notice, Hitman was right there and actually was between the intended receiver and the play when it ended. And he had to come all the way from covering Hopkins across the other end of the field, leave his man and rush over to actually make sure that Dantzler didn't mess up. All right. Number two. Number two. This is a big talking point for us. Justin Jefferson. He needs to work on catching more than 60% of his passes. He was five for nine week one and six of 10 week two. I mean, yes, he had a touchdown, but he's dropping almost half of anything that's thrown at him, including that one that would have gotten us well into Arizona territory. That was just an out and out, like both hands straight up ball, like went off his hands should have been caught. So um, if he wants to, to keep getting his share of the targets, he needs to catch them. Absolutely there. Yeah, that's and that that'll be another missed point because they would have been deep with a lot of time on the clock. Who knows how close they would have gotten had uh, had he made that catch. Right. And then my number one again is Breland. I'm not sure what's up with him if he's just not getting the defensive scheme, but he was supposed to be our corner two. And he was burned for what, two touchdowns? Yeah, I think it was two. I think he got beat by Hopkins beat him, I think. And um, more, I think, beat him for the other one. Yeah. So when you get beat by a rookie wide receiver for a touchdown, and it was a longer one. Oh, yeah, that was a deep ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that doesn't look good. No. And to have it happen again, because he had the same issues last week. Yeah, it's becoming a, a theme with our cornerbacks, and I don't like it. Again. And he's pulling the Xavier, excuse me, Eck Xavier Rhodes, like get banged up on a play, uh, act like you're hurt really bad, like he was holding onto his lower back and then kind of hobbled over to the sideline and got on the cart to go into it for halftime. Yeah, I saw that too. <laughs> so, yeah, not great. At least, you know, when Rhodes did it, it was after he'd already been Rhodes closed for, you know, four years. We're not even getting decent Breland before he starts acting injured. No, his first two games have been very unimpressive to me. I wasn't thrilled about the signing in the first place. Uh, and so far he's proving me right. Um, yep. Three good ones. Uh, let me give you mine. My number three, I was a little kinder to Breland. I only put him at three, uh, for all the reasons you said he misses tackles, getting beat deep, too soft in coverage. Uh, this is a guy who was touted as a signing and he has not done anything in two weeks. So I have him as my number three. My number two, I went with D.D. Westbrook, another guy I wasn't crazy about signing. I didn't get it. 
Uh, he had three punt returns for seven yards, and he fielded one over the shoulder inside the 10. And almost got a safety. And he compounded it by running backwards. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't play with me. Not when you're that deep. You got to know if you're, if you are a return guy and that's your thing, you have to know where you are in the field and you have to, it's a basic concept. If it's over my shoulder and I'm inside the 10, let it go. He didn't right. almost cost us two points. Uh, it flips field position. I am still not impressed with anything DD Westbrook has done. Uh, another signing, another contract that right now, I don't know why we gave it to him. He hasn't done anything. And number one, and this is, might not go over well with anybody, and he was uh, one of my studs last week. It's Greg Joseph. You got to make extra Fair points. Got to make extra points. You got to make 37-yard field goals. Yeah, he nailed 230, 250-yarders, but when he needed to make the kick, he didn't make the kick. It was not a hard kick. There was no angle involved. You t- we talked about it. 37 yards is a chip shot for these guys. It should be a chip shot. We, there should have been no doubt that that goes through. And to miss the extra point, you know, you, you can't do that. If you're going to do that, you better make the 37-yarder to, to redeem yourself. He did not on Sunday. So I'm not saying he's a bad kicker. He had a bad day, and we'll see how he recovers this week. But he had to be my number one. And I had a couple of ways I could have gone with it, but I said, I can't. That's that's four points he left on the field, and we lost by one. So those are my yep. three for this week. I agree with those as well. Well, on to the good then. Okay. My number three stud is Vigil. Uh, like we talked about, great interception, uh, returned for a touchdown. We haven't had one of those in a little while. Uh, wasn't the last pick six Hughes in like 2018? It might have been Mike Hughes. I thought it was Harry, but I think it might. I think you're right. I think it might have been Mike nope. Hughes. Harry hasn't had one since against the New York Giants in 2015. Yeah, that's right. It, it, it's Mike. I think you're right. I think it's Mike Hughes. I'd have to confirm, but I believe you're correct. Yeah. And like we were talking about, he almost had a fumble recovery. I think maybe he needs to chat with Adam about the toe drag swag, figure that out a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, he'll be in business. So that's my number three. Good job stepping up on the defense, especially wearing the green dot and calling the the defensive plays. So my number two is KJ Osborne. So um, not sure exactly where they pulled that 62 yard pass play out of the second play of the game, because I wish that was in the play calling sheet more often. That looked like a completely blown coverage, but I loved it. Right. But just the, <clears throat> Hey, we're going to throw it. Like yeah. just having the, the brain power to actually recognize if it was a blown coverage that, Hey, we're going to take advantage of it. So that was good. Uh, and he also had more yards than either Adam or JJ for week two. Yep. I mean, it helps when 62 of them are from one play, but you know, He's definitely contributing. And then my number one, I had to give it to Daniil Hunter. He's back and getting sacks and doing his kicking in the door. So that was good to see. I probably should have had like four of them. Yeah. Considering how much he was rushing. Yeah. Hunter looked really strong. 
He looks like the guy that we remember before he got hurt. And that's a good thing. That was something I worried about coming into the season, but he really did look strong. Um, I like you three. I really like you three. Mine are just slightly different. Uh, my number three was Osborne. Five grabs on six targets. That's great. The 91 yards, fantastic. You know, he made a nice catch on the drive that could have won the game, too. Yep. Uh, really good concentration. There's a guy that struggled his rookie year, and he is starting to kind of feel it now. And I, I like that. I like what we're seeing. I hope he continues. My two was Hunter. And uh, I had a struggle with my top three and the positions this week. But again, Hunter, five tackles, the three sacks, pressure all day. He's looking like the guy we know he can be. My number one, Nick Vigil was close to making this list. And I, I, I battled back and forth, but seeing that he made my duds list last week, he had, and he had a bounce back this week. I went with Dalvin cook 131 yards, 22 carries when he runs up the middle and he gets a crack. He's, he's very good. He hits those holes quick. Uh, I like him better between the tackles, which is funny. I think he runs better between the tackles. I think when he tries to get outside, he, he causes trouble. Just get him hit that hole quick and, and he can do things. He didn't have a great second half, but the fact that he ran for 131 opened up some things in the passing game. And uh, it was a nice balance of offense this week. So I went with cook, but Nick vigil, I probably could have put on this list and um, yeah, it, it wouldn't have been bad. I think we actually had more than three guys play pretty well on Sunday. And cook was our heart attack player of the game considering he almost got hurt twice. Every time he goes down and he has to get taken off the, to the sidelines, you wonder if he's going to come back. But knock wood, he, he made it back. It didn't look like anything too serious. So uh, that worked out really well. Um, I'm sure his groin and his ankle don't feel so good, though. No, and that's something we have to monitor for this big big game coming up. They're all big when you're on too, until you can get it turned around. Uh, I guess we should lead into the – Next game against the Seahawks, finally getting home, which is nice to see. And finally playing Seattle other than in Seattle. At home. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't played them at home in quite a while. <laughs> I can't wait to be in the stadium for the first time in uh, since December of 2019. So almost two years now. Um, I don't know if we're going to have our dragon fire back or if we can still thank Tennessee for not being allowed to have flames, but we'll see. I would love to uh, see that come back. I hope they bring it yeah. back. seems like in the off season, they were playing with it, like actually having fire. So I'm hoping that they let it go. Um, we'll have to see. I'll try to record the uh, player intros and if it does get in there, cause it'll, I'm, the first school chant back in the stadium in almost two years is going to be chills. Oh, it's going to be fantastic. And hopefully that'll be kind of a little bit of a spark for this team. And, and you know, I, they players seem to get over this stuff faster than the fans do. So I think they'll be ready in a home game again against a Seattle team that we haven't played. And the last home game was outdoors, I think too, right? Um, Not in the playoffs, but I think they played in, I th- uh, maybe maybe not. I'm trying to think when the last time that we would have had them at home would have been. I mean, because we're 
we're on both rotations with them, either because we finish in the same spot in the NFC uh, in, in each division or whatever, or because we're playing their division. So it's kind of hard to tell which, you know, version they're working off of. This year, it's because we're playing that whole division. Yeah. Yeah. But it might, the last home game might have been the playoff game, and that was outdoors. Right. The college stadium. Yeah. So I don't remember the last time we played them indoors. Um, well, they're also coming off a loss, another, and they had a tough loss too. They were up by 15, and uh, they just got shocked by Tennessee late in that one. Um, Tannehill had a good game against them. He threw for 347 yards. Henry was Derrick Henry, 182 yards and three scores. You know, Julio put up some numbers against them. Russ had a nice game. He had a solid Russ game, but their running game was nowhere to be found. They only had 61 yards on the ground in that one. Tyler Lockett, though, another Does every team have, like, wide receivers that cause us sleepless nights? Because Lockett's another one. He had 178 yards on on Sunday. We don't have what we used to have in Rhodes. A shutdown put them on the number one and they won't get anywhere. Look what Rhodes usually, usually did to Julio and to like uh, Odell Beckham and the, the big name wide receivers Rhodes would shut them down for like 28 yards and like on like eight attempts or something like that. Yeah. We don't. And maybe Peterson can be that guy, but I want to see it because he did, we did shut down D hop, but we don't right. have any help on the other side. And that's where the, you know, the, second and third receivers have big days and, and they have a pretty good one in Freddie Swain. So well, maybe they'll figure out that they need to shift Harry to the other side. If he's going to have to babysit corners again, he's going to have to go on the other side. Oh yeah. There's no, and it's, and that. it's not for Mackenzie Alexander. No, no, Mac he, can, he can hold his own. Yeah. It's everybody else. Yeah. It's whoever's playing the outside corner on that other side opposite Patrick Peterson. You know, and maybe, maybe, maybe the Breland Smith combination would work. I don't know. Maybe if Breland has Harry over there to help him out, maybe his confidence goes up a bit. I'm not sure, but it can't hurt because again, they have 400 yards to Murray and Russ is better. He's just better. Um, right. But we have, you know, we have weapons too. And, I think this will be another interesting game and we'll talk about our predictions later, but uh, is there anything you want to add to kind of what you saw or what, what we should focus on for this week? Um, Well, we're going to have to uh, hopefully get Everson back um, because I think Daniil will be even better when he's got Everson playing at least, you know, a third of the snaps, if not a little bit more on the other side. And just you know, not not use Weatherly and or Wanham quite as much because they're just not quite there. Um, supposedly, again, for being old and washed up, Everson seems to be holding his own pretty well. Uh, yeah, get that, yep, get that line back going, and then you know, turn if they're going to be dumb enough to single cover Daniil, then Russell Wilson deserves to get sacked. Yeah, I think we can get two or three on Sunday. I think we can get to him. Uh, he's still 
elusive, but he's not Kyler Murray elusive anymore. Right. The speed is down. So it is possible we can get good contain to be able to get to him. And that's what we need to do. Um, you know, we can get him to, to cough up interceptions too. If we can get to him enough, he gets rattled. Yeah. And we got to keep them a one-dimensional team. Yes. Uh, don't let their ground game get going. If that happens, we have big problems. We'll see what we, we'll see what we talk about in the predictions later. Uh, let's get to the X factors uh, first. Let's recap last week's X factors. Now, your two last week were Adam and Harry, which I think I kind of jinxed him a little bit. So, um, but I mean, Adam was nine for ten but he only had 39 yards. I'm not sure why, since he was catching everything that came near him, including some things that really shouldn't have been caught, honestly. Like some of those passes were like to the side or two or three yards in front of him. Even the touchdown was like two, at least two yards in front of him. He had to kind of stumble his way into the end zone. Uh, but yeah, he was catching. I mean, he's Mr. Third down. He made at least one really nice third down conversion. Um, we were like second and long or third and long. And he actually got past the chains and he's got three touchdowns for the year already. So, I mean, he's doing pretty well for that. And then Harrison Smith is much of a slow game for him as a lot of people are saying it is he actually had nine tackles, which is three more than he had against the Bengals. Yeah, I don't think you were bad with your X-Factors. You really you weren't at all. I, I think they both performed very well. Like you said, the yards weren't there, but he caught. I mean, Adam had at least, he had a touchdown, and like you said, two, two first down catches that kept drives alive. So I don't think those were bad picks at all. I don't think right. they let you and down. Yeah, I do have to say, though, and this is both of our uh, understanding, but PFF is drunk. Oh, God, yeah. I don't know where they come up with their stuff. I I laugh at PFF when I see – and people quote their rankings as if these guys are gods. And it's like, uh, what do they watch? Because I don't see the same things they see. Those rankings were a joke again this week. Right. Second week in a row, JJ, who is having issues – well, had a higher PFF ranking than Adam, who is a catch monster. I, I, we talked about this a little while. Well, we tweeted each other about this, but it's got to be the yardage. I mean, yardage has, I, I just want to know their, their formula. If somebody from PFF can give me the formulas that they use to rank these guys, I might get a better understanding of it. Because right now, all I see are a bunch of numbers that mean nothing. That means it makes no sense for last week, though, because last week Adam had 92 yards and JJ had like 72. Oh, yeah, 72. Yeah. And Adam had two touchdowns. So if it's going off a of yardage and like scores, his numbers should have been higher. And also this week they added insult to injury and Harrison Smith was on the bottom five. Which, again, they, I, they make no sense. And I will continue to rag on PFF. Uh, I call them pretty effing funny. Right. Because that's what their their rankings are to me. That's it, It's ludicrous the way they rank things. Uh, yeah. 
that, enough that on PFF, but you're absolutely <laughs> right. I don't get them. Uh, I'll give my quick X factors from last week. I'll start with offense. I said Phil Rauscher, our offensive line coach, and uh, I would think 142 yards and 25 rushing attempts. That doesn't include the rushing, you know, the rushing yards for Kirk. And Kirk had a pretty good day. I think he had almost 40 yards on the ground himself. And uh, the drop in penalties was good. So I think they, the offensive line, and I think the, I'd like to say the coaching helped, um, but the offensive line was better. And my defensive guy was Nick Vigil. And I was yes. pretty happy about that. <laughs> I said Nick Vigil, and he had four tackles in the big pick six and uh, the almost fumble recovery. Again, he's got to work on his footwork. But I was pretty happy. It's like, yeah, that's the guy. And and it was conditional on Barr being out, which he was again. And we don't know if he'll be back this week. But uh, I think overall our X-Factors performed this past week. And now we have to live up to that for week three. So, Sarah, your offensive and defensive X-Factors for week three. Well, I'll start with the defense. Uh, Mackenzie Alexander is going to be my X-Factor. He's come very close now, two weeks in a row, to getting an interception. I don't know if this will be the week or not, but he's done some pretty good things in coverage, and he's so close that I'm pretty sure he's frustrated enough to really throw himself a hundred percent into it to get one. So that's, and plus he's holding down the nickel spot, um, whether that's his preferred corner position or not, there was some, you know, concern that he left originally because he didn't want to be a nickel corner. He wanted to be an outside corner, but now that he's come back, he seems to be um, accepting that he's best at nickel corner and just, going with it so I'd like to see him have a big game and I think that that will really help with this team coming up and on the offensive side on the offensive side we're doing something a little different just because I want to see him improve Justin Jefferson he really does need to make himself an x-factor in this game because I'm afraid he's not going to get targets anymore and maybe he shouldn't for a bit, um, but if he can't start to improve on the catching problem, and then there's better places to use those targets, especially since we don't throw that much. So, I mean, if he's going to get another 10 targets this week, I'd like to see him improve and at least catch 75% of them, and I think that would be enough to make him an X factor. Yeah, I like your choices. I like both of them. Mac has been very close, as you said. We know JJ can play the game. We know he's good. Uh, I don't know what his problem is right now, uh, but if you mentioned he, we wonder if he's favoring that shoulder still. He did look like it in one of the the one catch that he really like just missed. Like he should have had that catch, the one he whiffed on. When yeah. after after he missed it, he started rubbing his arm, like he was worried it was hurt which just kind of makes me even more believe that he's playing scared that he's going to get hurt again, which isn't a great way to go about things. And you can't teach that. There's no way you can teach not being scared. You can there. I don't know how he's got to talk to somebody who like Adam, who has been hurt and played hurt. Hopefully that'll help him get straight. He, he needs to spend more time. I think with Adam Thielen. it would be nice. I don't know if he does or not, but 
I, I think he has a lot he can learn from Adam. And if he can take, if Adam will take him under his wing, I really think JJ could, could be a perennial power as a receiver in this league, not just rookie of the year and fade away. Uh, I like your two picks a lot. My two this week on defense, Bashard Breland. Uh, oh. Yeah, show me something. Show me, <laughs> show me something. Make me believe that you were worth paying to be on this football team because two weeks in, you haven't shown that. And to me, that's his NX factor. You, you, you step up and you say, all right, I know my first two weeks weren't great. This is a really big one. We need to, We really need this game. It's a home game, first home game. I need to step up. I need to feed off the energy in that stadium, and I need to be better. I need to be a little bit more aggressive. I need to tackle better. I just need to be better. So I as I took him as a dud two weeks in a row, and I said, he's got to be my X factor because he hasn't been any factor, quite honestly. Um, and on offense... It's KJ Osborne. Uh, the kid is looking pretty good. We, you know, we were worried about our wide receiver three all off season, and KJ Osborne has really looked good in the first two weeks. Uh, it's hard to call a kid who led the team in reception yards your X factor for the game, but I want to see him do it again. You know, let's see if this is not. You know, we want to make sure it's not a one-time deal with him. So I would like to see a lot more out of KJ Osborne. Uh, he had six targets in this game. He, I could see him getting eight or nine, uh, especially if they key on JJ and Adam. Uh, let, let's let's make them think a little bit. Let's make them work a little bit harder on defense for Seattle. And again, Tannehill had a nice game against them. So uh, yeah, I think Osborne could come up and have a second consecutive really good day. Uh, let's see how we do with our picks this week. Those are our two, uh, our X factors for the week. Funny uh, thing is they keep targeting JJ with double coverage and he's not catching the one catching everything. Yeah. And I, I wonder if now, well, everybody says, you know, it takes about four regular season games to really see what you have. And maybe we're starting to figure that out after this week, you know, maybe Kirk will have more confidence thrown to KJ and he will be able to look away from Justin and say, well, he's double covered. Somebody's open. And if it's Osborne, just grip it and rip it. Uh, yeah. The, the kids and give Adam him- something a little more down the field. Yes, yeah, he's great I, at third down conversions, but air it out. Yeah, he's been all close to the line of scrimmage kind of passes. So, yeah, he and he can he's a good route runner. I, maybe this week. Maybe, yeah. maybe they're just saving him for this week. We'll Maybe he'll end up being the X factor this week uh, with some deep balls. Yep. Well, now it's time for uh, one of our favorite segments because the Vikings have never lost in the Valhalla back segment. They will not lose again this week. I, I will be a spoiler. Um, they're going to win this game. Sarah, let me pick the, this week. She's, she, uh, she's going to be up though soon. I want, want to see her next one. But this week I took the Vikings and Seattle. Played on November 14th, 1976. You're going to hear some names here that nobody's going to recognize. I recognize them <laughs> because I'm old. Um, the Vikings were the first ones to score. Brent McClanahan took one in from a yard out, and Vikings led seven to nothing. Seattle tied the game later in the first quarter 
Uh, Jim Zorn, 12-yard touchdown run. Zorn was a left-handed running quarterback, uh, had a great career, and he did some coaching uh, in the NFL afterwards. Uh, the Vikings scored the only points in the second quarter. Fran Tarkington, uh, my personal idol, hit Sammy White with a beautiful 29-yard touchdown pass. The Vikings took a 14-7 lead into the half. Seattle came back strong in the third quarter. Zorn hit Steve Rabel, rookie Steve Rabel, an 80-yard touchdown pass. It was a pretty pass. Uh, Rabel made a nice catch, took it the distance, tied the game. The Vikings, however, would take the lead back when Fred Cox hit uh, two field goals later in the third, one from 43 yards, one from 39 yards out. Uh, Cox is a straight-on kicker. Maybe the Vikings need a guy like that. Uh, fourth quarter, though, the Seahawks, who came into this game at 2-7, and seven, by the way. Uh, Zorn hit his second touchdown pass of the game. This was a seven-yarder to Sam McCollum. Seattle took a one-point lead, 21-20. The Vikings, with about five minutes left in the game, took the lead for good. Fran Tarkin hit Stu Voigt from five yards out, and the extra point was good. The Vikings held on and won 27-21 running their record to 8-1-1. Zorn on the day was 17 for 29, 278 yards. He had two touchdowns, but he did throw three interceptions. Their leading rusher for Seattle was a guy named Sherman Smith, 62 yards and 17 carries. Rabel was their top receiver. He had 112 yards on just three catches, but the one was the 80-yard touchdown. Tarkington had a very efficient day, 26 of 31, 274 yards and two touchdown passes. Vikings top running back, also one of my personal favorites, uh, Chuck Foreman, 100 yards on 17 carries. The team as a total had 180 yards on the ground that game. And the top receiver for the Vikings, Ahmad Rashad, 93 yards on nine catches for the day. On defense of the three picks, Nate Wright had two of them. Nate Wright, uh, famous for the Hail Mary game against the Cowboys. He was pushed off on there. No one will ever prove me or no one will ever make me believe otherwise, uh, but we'll talk about that another time. And Paul Krause, Hall of Famer Paul Krause, had the third pick of the game. I chose this game for a couple of reasons. One, we've only beaten this team five times in the history of the, uh, the matchups. But this was the first year for the Seahawks. This was their expansion year, 1976. So this was the very first meeting between the two teams and the you know Seattle was game it was a game the Vikings should have walked away with but Seattle played them hard and the Vikings ended up pulling it out in the end that is this week's Valhalla back any thoughts Sarah well, I recognize some of those names um, nice who's who of Vikings past I like the old games again I'm old I've been following this team since I was a kid and Tarkington was actually playing. So when I can find a really good, juicy old one, I like to do it too. Because yeah, some of the names you hear are like, oh, wow, I forgot about him. You know, I've done a couple of, over the years, I've done a couple of these. And even me looking up the, the you know, the numbers and everything, it's like, oh, yeah, I forgot he played for us. And he, made, <laughs> he was never any good except for this day. Or, I'm trying to think who we had. There was someone who, for like three weeks in a row, I picked games. And I picked the games without knowing who played in them and the stats. And, everything. and somebody made it like three weeks in a row with the stats. And I picked a range of games. And I can't now, 
I don't remember who it is. I'll have to figure that one out. But uh, weren't you on a Muelde Moore kick for a little bit? I think that's who it was. I think it was Muelde Moore. It's like, gee, it was. Moore. <laughs> I I found his only three good games in his career. <laughs> uh, it's a fun segment. I love to do the research. I love to find the games and. Sometimes I get lucky and I find some clips. So there were clips of this one. And uh, if anybody doesn't know who John Facenda is, look it up. Uh, He was the voice of NFL films forever. And if you find some old NFL films and John Facenda is narrating them, you will just love what you hear. Uh, So do your look this one up. There's like a five minute uh, highlight clip. And it's narrated by John Facenda. And it's just amazing. Between him and Harry Callis, uh, you get two of the best older football, you know, guys I can think of. And I never liked Harry Callis as a baseball announcer because he worked for the Phillies. And I didn't like, I don't like the Phillies, but as a football guy, Harry Callis is fantastic. Um, That's all I have for this week on Valhalla back again. It's a fun segment and we love to do them for you. Sarah, it's time to forget to know the hosts. All right. Well, you just talked for a while, so I'll ask you my question first. Okay. Um, just to, to get it out of the way or whatever, and because it shouldn't need a long answer. What is your guilty pleasure song? Oh, guilty pleasure song. I have a couple of these, which is sad. <laughs> Um, I don't know if this is, I mean, I won't, I was going to give you a Jimmy Buffett song, but Jimmy Buffett can't be considered guilty pleasure. Uh, all right. This is going to sound weird. It might be it, it. No, it's not party in the USA. It's, it's not, it's the, the weird Al parody song of it. Okay. Party in the CIA. I, I always liked weird Al. I think the stuff he writes is funny. And uh, sometimes I will be in my office and I'm having a rough day and I will pull some weird Al up. Uh, and for whatever reason, Party in the CIA is one of my favorite ones he's ever done. So guilty pleasure song, Party in the CIA by Weird Al Yankovic. Or really anything by Weird Al is probably considered a guilty pleasure. All right. How about yours? Uh, well, I have two, but one's not exactly appropriate. Um, it's ludicrous. What's your fantasy? Okay. So if I'm having a rough day, that's usually pounding in my car, like the bass, like all the way up, which gets you some funny looks when it's, you know, a white girl driving around. Yeah. <laughs> I've gotten some strange looks before. Cause I know all the words, but yeah. So the one that is actually appropriate is a cheesy 90s pop song by a group called Bewitched called Say La Oh, I might know that one. Yeah. I think I know that song. Right. It's got a good beat. It's, like I said, it's really cheesy, like 90s pop, but it works when you're trying to, I don't know, get in a good mood or on a long drive. So that's my guilty pleasure song. We have them. Everybody has them. I listened to some stuff in my office today, like old country type stuff that I don't even like country, but I put some Kenny Rogers on today while I was in the office, a couple of songs. So you just, you get in moods. I like it. That's a good question. That's a fun question. Um, 
Now mine for you, you might have to think a bit on this one. All right. You can go out to dinner with three other people. One must be an athlete. One must be an actor or actress. And one has to be a musician. Who are you taking to dinner? Okay. So an athlete, an actor, and a musician. Yep. This, this could be an interesting dinner party. Um, the athlete would be Harrison Smith. The actor would be Johnny Depp. And then for musician, that's the hard one. Because I like so much, so many different kinds of music and things like that. So it's kind of hard to, to figure out exactly who that I should take. But oh, I don't know. Um, I think the a good musician to. It's mostly like bands. So that kind of doesn't help with it. Just not like solo musicians. Well, you can take a member of the band if you want. Right. Um, probably like to let's go with uh, Nick Carter from the Backstreet Boys. Nick Carter. He's a Tampa Bay Bucks fan? Well, I won't hold that against him. I think he is. And the only reason I know that is one time I was in New York and I got to sit in the audience at Kyle Brandt's show and uh, Nick Carter, Kyle had a segment about like a play out of history, you know, it was a while that nobody remembered. And Nick Carter asked for some play from Tampa Bay. So it was kind of like a special guest call in from Nick Carter. It's the only reason I know he's a Tampa Bay fan. I wouldn't otherwise. Yeah. That's a cool list though. I like it. It would be a weird and interesting dinner party. Yeah. But don't, isn't that what you want out of a dinner party? You don't want a boring one. Right. I'm just not sure, like, who's going to... I'm pretty sure that Johnny Depp would end up monopolizing the conversation. That's a good point. Considering yeah. he's only the only talkative one out of the three. That's true. But you don't know. Maybe he'd get the other guys out of their shell. You, you... Maybe. Yeah. I'm not sure how. Maybe, you know, some impressions of his previous characters. Or maybe he'll sing. I don't know. Because he was in Sweeney Todd. Yeah, that's true. Wow. Good call. Very so how nice. about for you? Oh, for me, let's see. What athlete would I want to sit with? Uh, Harry's a really good one. I don't know if I would take Harry. Um, I would. I might yes. actually go with a retired athlete. I might go with Fran Tarkenton. Be- okay. Because he's the reason why I'm a Vikings fan. And I would love to sit and talk with him. Uh, the actor, Tom Hanks. Boring, I know, but he fascinates me. And I have a lot of actors like I would sit with, but Tom Hanks gets it uh, for me. And musician, D. Snyder from Twisted Sister. Okay. Uh, he's another interesting guy. And he he's a... Uh, his post twisted sister career has been pretty cool. So I, I'd like to talk to the, yeah, I think that'd be an interesting dinner party. Tom Hanks, Steve yes. Snyder and Fran Tarkington. <laughs> All right. So 
we're on to the the finale here. Predictions. Uh, give me what you got. What do you got for this one? Well, um, so far anyway, Vegas says we're, or we were, one point underdogs at home, which basically doesn't really mean a whole lot, except for we lost our home field advantage. I mean, it's pretty dead even that way. So I'm kind of having conflicted problems again about predictions. Um, this is a must win. I'm not sure if the way I'm going to go here will jinx anything or not, but, or me being at the game. So hopefully not, but uh, you know, since we really need this one, it's going to be a little bit of a weird score, but I'm going to give it to the Vikings 33 to 31. You know what? There's no such thing as a weird score when the Vikings are involved though. Right. Well, I say that because if you do the math, that would seem to indicate five touchdowns, but it would also indicate two missed field or missed extra points. Yeah, it could. Or we could be playing like miss an extra point, go for two kind of things. There's right. all yeah, kinds or, of wild scenarios that could pop up. Right. So kind of an odd score, giving leeway for some sort of weird circumstance happening. That would also mean our defense once again gave up 30-plus points in the game. I'm hoping not, but baby steps. I mean. You got to be realistic about it. Oh, I struggled with this one. And maybe had we won Sunday, I'd have chosen differently. But I have vowed not to pick the Vikings to win until they show me they know how to finish off the game. I've got Seattle 34, Minnesota 27. And Seattle didn't finish it off their game either. They actually had a 15-point lead and, and blew it late. So, uh, I, you know what? I, I hate to say this, and I don't want to jinx them, but Kirk hasn't made a bad play. Like, he hasn't turned the ball over yet. Hey, don't, don't jinx it. <laughs> and it's one of those that you could see it happening, and, and I don't want to see it happening. But this is the team it would happen against. Um, so I'm taking Seattle 34, 27. I think it's going to be another tight one all day. I think it's going to go back and forth all day. Um, I hope I'm way wrong on this, but these are two teams coming off of tough losses. And the one thing Minnesota has in its favor is it's finally home against Seattle. So, you know, it, it wouldn't shock me if the Vikings won this one at all. But until they do win one, until they show me they don't know how to finish a game, I can't pick them. I can't. So that's that's what I'm going with this week, 34-27 Seattle. Uh, we have reached the end of our day, the end of our show. Uh, any final thoughts, Sarah? Final things you'd like to say? You're going to the game, so. Yes. I will be cheering my loudest. I want to see just how loud we can get that decibel meter up to because um, I know they keep track of that kind of thing and they usually have it on the screen. So it'll be interesting to see uh, the first, you know, school chant or the, the first cheers to see exactly how loud that is. And where are you going for your juicy Lucy when you're there? I'm not sure actually. Um, Cause I'm staying in Egan by the, uh, training center and that's the right. performance yeah. center yeah you won't be but there's town. some restaurants around there um and i'll be going into town a couple of times 
set to meet up with some people. So I'll find a place to get a Juicy Lucy. And there's a lot of restaurants that deliver actually too. All right. You got to report back on the Juicy Lucy. Uh, we have a friend who whose boyfriend doesn't know how to eat them and he squirted cheese all over the place. It was Oh, party foul. Yeah, it was hysterical. Actually, the video was great. He uh, squeezed it. He bit it and it just squirted. It was funny. Yeah. You have uh, to watch the first bite. It is kind of like biting into a volcano. Yep. And uh, all right. So then have you ever had the Hell's Kitchen peanut butter? No. Oh, if you get in the town for breakfast, go to Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, my, my big thing when I go into Minneapolis proper, uh, and it was a lot easier when I was staying uh, closer to downtown, but I'm trying something new, um, is to go to Manny's Steakhouse. You can't talk about steak at the end of the show. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that, that's kind of my big, that, that's my big splurge because it is a very expensive place, um, but their portion size makes it well worth it because you can usually get like three meals out of one all right i want pictures of the steak then i will send you pictures all right i need to see this how big the steak really is i i have pictures from i think it's three years ago maybe two years ago when i went oh steak is my thing i love it and uh i i the bigger the better and the redder the better so yes Sounds like a good trip. You have a, I hope you uh, enjoy it. I hope you come home with a victory. Um, my only final thought, we are working on a logo for the, for the podcast. And I have uh, employed a pretty good young artist. And she owes me favors because I helped raise her for almost 20 years. For over <laughs> 20 years, actually. Uh, my daughter has drawn one concept for us. It looks I like it and she's taking on one more. So hopefully uh, when you do go to the links for the, uh, the show, you'll see something more than the logo that's up there right now. Uh, very soon. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited about the getting a logo as we move forward with this. So that's all I have. Uh, my good night to D as always. Um, she is a very special lady who, sits here and watches football with me on Sundays for most of the day. And she doesn't give me a hard time for watching eight games at one time. So I really appreciate that. Sarah, have a safe trip. We will see you back. All here right. next week. Let's talk about a win for a change. huh? Yes, definitely need a, a victory Tuesday, I guess, to, uh, to talk about. That would be awesome. Uh, folks take care, uh, take care of yourselves. Uh, God bless, and we will talk to you next week.